Welcome to the Center Branch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. Excited that you decided to come today. Today's a great day to be here because because it's always a great day to be here, but also because we're starting a brand new series that we'll jump into in just a couple of minutes. But man, I'm so excited about what God's doing in our church so far this year. This year has been incredible for us as a church family. These last couple of weeks have been wonderful. Two weeks ago was Miracle Sunday. Love hearing testimonies of what, what God is doing as a result of that time. Just believing God's word, standing on his word and seeing him touch people, turn around situations. Last week was Connect Group Sunday. We talked about how important it is to have real fellowship koinonia with other members of the body of Christ. It's not just some light extra thing that you can participate in if you want to. It's something the Bible instructs us to engage in because we're a family. We're a body. We need to be knit together. We, we looked at Hebrews chapter 3 that gives us one of the many reasons why fellowship is so enormously important in the body of Christ. It, it gives us a warning against falling away from from the Lord. Talks about falling away from the living God because our hearts are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Just this incredible warning that we need to pay attention to. And then the solution given in in those verses is that we would have people around us, the body of Christ, to exhort us, to encourage us, regularly engaging with other people that not just their words, but their life is an exhortation for us to continue to pursue the Lord. So those relationships are so important. Hopefully you signed up for a connect group. You're part of a family within the family. I think we we launched 27 of them last week, which is amazing. Packed out the, the Bowling alley. I guess that's not that's not very exciting. I, you, don't, you don't have to clap. I mean, it's not like I own the bowling alley or anything. I don't care. But so you know, a lot of people went, had a good time at the bowling alley. Just a lot of great things happening happening in in our church. So I'm super excited. This morning we're starting a new series that we're calling "We Believe," and taking it from one of our five core values as a church written on the wall out in the lobby. Those aren't there just as decoration. We want our values to really establish the kind of culture that we have as a a church family, that they are intentional markers, that we want to be uh, parameters of our behavior, of the things that we say, the things that we do, the way that we think, that those things kind of uh, govern our lives, that we, we want them to fall within those those values as a church. And one of the things we want is that we want to be people of faith, people with real, active, living faith. And so we're going to take the next month or so and really press in on this, this, this value that we believe. We are people of faith. Jesus did the impossible. And after having done incredible, miraculous things, multiplying fish and loaves, walking on water, opening blind eyes, raising the dead, Jesus didn't tell, tell his disciples that I did this because I'm very different than you and I'm just much, much better than you are. And that's why it was just kind of to distinguish me from the rest of you. He said, the works that I do, you'll do the same and even, and even greater works. And faith is a key part of that. So our value is we believe Jesus did the impossible. That's wonderful. But you know what? We will too. We will too. And it, and it comes back to being people of, people of real, real faith. 
And so we're going to take some time to, to talk about that. We, this year is a year for us to make unusual spiritual progress. Amen? Unusual spiritual progress. And one of the areas that you'll see me progressing, that I'll see you progressing, is in the area of faith. I, I will make unusual spiritual progress. And so will you. And we're, we're going to take some time at the beginning of the year, this next month, month and a half or so, to, to make unusual spiritual progress in the area of our faith and what we believe. So let's go ahead and pray one more time, and then we'll jump in. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for each person here this morning. And Lord, we ask you to come and bless us today with eyes that see clearly, ears that hear, hearts that, that have a spirit of revelation and understanding. Holy Spirit, come and flood our hearts with light that we can know you more. And Father, I pray you bless us with hearts that are like good, good soil. Lord, that we would receive, we'd make application, we'd be doers of the word. Lord, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In, in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says this, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. This is, this is an amazing amazing thing to say. And some of us, if you grew up in church or maybe you've, you've read this passage a bunch before, we can kind of become a little bit callous to it. Yeah, we, we've heard that before. And maybe in your mind somewhere, there's a bunch of qualifications. There's a bunch of yeah buts that you, you've just kind of added to what Jesus says over time. I, I want you just to consider what Jesus says here and do your best to remove whatever callousness might have built up to this, with that statement over time whatever qualifiers you've added to that, and just take Jesus at his word. And what he says is, for the person who believes, all, all things are possible. Everything becomes a possibility for the person who believes. That, that's an amazing thing to say, that if I believe, if you believe, it actually opens up a realm that we can live in and operate in of unlimited possibilities. That if you and I develop belief, it can take us out of the realm of limitations and move us to where there is, there is no, no limitation. That, that's amazing. That for the person that believes all things, what, what's, what's possible? Everything's possible. Nothing is impossible for the person that believes. I, I like that. I, I just like that. I like possibility thinking. I like dreaming. I like taking time to think about, yeah, what if this happened? What if we could do that? It frustrates me when you're, you're trying to talk like that and someone's always telling you why you can't do it. I, I don't like people that think that like that. I don't like people that are always saying, yeah, well, we couldn't do that because of this. I, I like just thinking and talking in possibilities. Anyone like that? Just thinking big, dreaming big. I mean, hey, we, we could do anything, right? God, God could use us to do anything. So possible, all things being possible, is, that's great. But you know what? As great as it is, it's not great enough. It's really good that all things are possible. It's wonderful, but it's not really wonderful enough. Because just because something is possible doesn't mean that it's, that it's actual. Maybe you had an experience like this when you were growing up, when you, you really wanted something from your mom or your dad, and you kept asking them and asking them and asking them. You wanted a toy. You wanted to go to McDonald's. You wanted ice cream. You wanted to have a friend spend the night. Whatever it is, you just keep asking them and asking them and finally say, possibly. And maybe the first time, the first couple of times they gave you that response, you were naive enough to be like, 
to consider it a yes. But then when things didn't go the way that you wanted them to go, so you, but you, you, you said that they could. You said that I could. No, no, no. I didn't say yes. I said possibly. And then you catch on that possibly is really just uh, their refusal to give you a straight answer. It's good that they didn't say no. You're glad that they didn't say no. But just because they said possibly, that's not necessarily a yes either. That's like a trick you learn as a parent. When you don't want to answer, you don't want to be the person on the hook for giving the answer, you want to delay or defer or just kind of not be responsible or not be bothered with it, there's certain tricks that you learn. You say, not now, ask me later, ask your mother, that's a good one, you know, just ask them. And another one, just, it's possible, possibly. Right? You can give that answer, and it's like non-committal. And again, it's great that it's possible, but just because something is possible doesn't mean that it is reality. There's a difference between possible and actual. And so possible is wonderful, but it's not wonderful enough because lots of things are possible. To him who believes, all things, all things are possible. But there's got to come a point in time where we move things from the possible realm into the actual realm because if they just float around as possibilities, it really doesn't do us any good. So again, it's good that it's possible. It's possible that the, the blueberry bush that I dug up from our old backyard and moved to our new backyard, hoping that it would it'll produce berries like it used to, it's possible that it will someday produce a harvest like it used to. That's possible. And I'm glad that it's possible that there will come a point in time where I don't want it to just be possible. I want to be able to walk over to that bush and harvest berries off of that bush, right? And in the spiritual realm, things with the word of God, it's great that all things are possible, but that often isn't good enough that we need them to be actual. It's possible that God will heal your loved one, right? It's possible, but just being possible isn't good enough if it doesn't actually happen then the fact that it was possible they could receive healing, it, it, it doesn't matter because they never received their, their healing. And knowing that it's possible, but it never became actual, becomes a point of frustration, becomes a point of confusion and disappointment. I, I know it was possible for them to receive healing, but they never, never did. I'm, I'm confused. I, I don't understand. So possible is good, but we can't leave things there. It's good, but it's not good enough. It's possible for that strained marriage to become whole again. It's possible for you to receive a financial breakthrough. It's possible for you to walk in freedom from that area which just continues that area of your sin that seems to always snag you up and, and tangle you up. It's possible, but if it never actually happens, just the fact that it's possible wasn't good enough. It's got to move from possibility into actuality. So possible is good. Thank God to him who believes, to the person that believes all things are possible. Praise the Lord for it. But there is a, a, a progression to it that believers often let themselves just kind of stall out at possibility instead of seeing things come into reality. There's a progression to faith. It's, it's true in the natural, and it's true in, in the spiritual realm. That in order to, to have faith, first you need to hear something. You read something, you're told something. You can read Romans chapter 10. This is the way salvation works. How can they believe unless someone first tells them the, the gospel? So you receive information, and then you decide if you believe the information or not. But that's, that's not where it stops because the next step is that you, you act yes. on what you believe. And it's the acting on what you believe that produces the benefit of the thing that you believed. When I was in high school, I, I worked for Little Caesars. 
That's right. I know it's impressive. Eventually, I was fired from Little Caesars, which is less, less impressive. But when, when I got that job, it was the same as every other job that I've had, and I assume probably like every job that you've had, that the process went, you know, there's an application, you, you interview, I went and interviewed for Little Caesars, they asked me a few questions, and then they decided I was the guy that they wanted making their pizza. And so after, after they decide that, you know, we, we want you to have the job, they tell you, you know, what, what kind of money you'll make. Here's, here's what we'll pay. Here's when you can start. All right, so I think minimum wage at that time, it was like $4.75 an hour or $5.25 an hour, which I, I don't know what it is now. It's like $15, $18. It keeps, it keeps, going, keeps going up. But back then, it was, it was $4.75 an hour which I wish that they would quit raising the minimum wage and not for any economic reasons, just because the larger the gap gets between when I talk about my first job and what minimum wage is now, it just makes me seem old, right? If people look at you like you're talking about getting paid in wooden nickels or something, riding to work in a covered wagon, just accepting it. Like, um, it's just a bartering system. I was paid in bales of hay and bushels of oats at the end of the month. We'll, pay, we'll give you two chickens every month for you. So they make you the offer, hey, we're going to pay you $5.25 an hour or whatever it is. And my, my jobs have always worked like this. The, the, the day that you begin work and the day that you get paid for your work aren't, aren't the same day, right? They say something like, well, you can, you can start on Monday and then... Payday's Friday. Well, I've had jobs where it's even two weeks. Hey, you'll, you'll get paid in, in two weeks, two Fridays from now. So you have to decide if you want the job and if you believe what they're telling you, that they are, in fact, going to pay you what they say they're going to pay you, that they have the money that they're going to come through because what they're asking you to do is go ahead and start acting on what I said, act on what I told you. So if you take the job, you show up on Monday, you work on Tuesday, you're making pizza pie on, on Wednesday, or you're stocking the shelves or mowing the grass or whatever job you, you accepted, and you're, you're reporting for duty on Thursday, you're showing up Friday, and you haven't, you haven't been paid anything all of that is you're acting on what you believed, and it's the action on what you believe that will produce the benefit of what it is that you, that you believed. Because if you believe it, and it's belief alone, and you never act on it, if you say, hey, we'll pay you X amount of dollars for your work, and you say, you know what, I believe you. I believe that you will. I believe that you're good for it. But then you never show up and work. You never act on it, that you believed it, but it'll never produce anything in your life. And that's the way it works with the word of God as well, that it's not just believing it. What produces in our life is when we take action based on what we believe. If we believe alone, our lives can be fruitless. And too often that's the case of people that say we believe, but they never act on it and their life never, never bears any fruit. So there, there is a progression in our lives. We come across information, then we believe it, and then we begin to act on, on what we believe. Now, 
When you hear the word belief and the word faith, lots of times we use them interchangeable. They're like the same thing. Hey, I believe. Hey, I have faith. It's one and the same. And I don't want to get into like a semantics discussion, but for our purposes, and I think it can be backed up by the word of God, if we can consider belief as adhering, regarding God's word as, as true, that's belief. And then faith is when we take action based, based on what we believe. And they're, they're both important. We need to believe, but we also need to act on what we believe. And it's the two of those, two of those things that causes our life to produce what God's word says our, our lives should, should produce. This past week, uh, I was away on a trip I stayed in a hotel, and I was in the elevator of the hotel one time, and there was a, a lady in there with me, and she was there for some kind of conference, and so I, I just struck up a conversation asking what she was d- doing there, and she started to tell me, and she said, well, let, let, me, let me give you my information, and it was, I was at my floor, and so I was kind of halfway in, halfway out of the elevator, and she, she pulled out an envelope from the bank and kind of started going through what was in the envelope, and then she handed me a $100 bill. I took the I took it, I was just kind of confused. I thought she was going to give me like a business card or something. And I was just sort of, you know, holding the elevator door open, trying to figure out what was, what was going on. Did she give me this by, by accident? Um, just, and I, I, as I'm standing there trying to figure it out, I just, I flipped the dollar over and it turns out it wasn't a real $100 bill. That on the back was like URL codes you could scan and take you to her website and some kind of marketing network she wanted you to, to be to be a part of, but she was all in on presenting it as real. I mean, she even had these things in a bank envelope. So, you know, she, she was presenting it as, as money and the front of it looked, I mean, it looked legitimate. That's why I was taken aback. It looked so real that you would probably go and use it someplace and get away with it until, until they flipped it over, right? Because it needed both sides to be legitimate in order for you to actually be able to use it Effectively, I'm not trying to give a lesson on how to properly counterfeit money, but it, it, requires, it requires both sides for it to be usable. One side looking totally legitimate isn't good enough if the other side doesn't correspond. And the same thing is true when it comes to real Bible faith. Having a set of beliefs as good as they might be, that's wonderful, but there's got to be a corresponding action for your faith and your beliefs to actually be usable and beneficial in your life. Not too long ago, I used an illustration up here. Uh, I said, what if one time I was up here talking and then I just collapsed to the ground? I just fainted. I was unconscious. And someone said, oh, is there, is there a doctor here? And there was a doctor and the doctor came up and began to examine why in the world is this, this man uh, unconscious? He starts to examine me. It doesn't make sense. He's just a physical specimen. How could someone <laughs> as, as fit as this man you know, what could possibly be wrong? And he's able to, he's able to figure out I'm, I'm dehydrated. I'm severely dehydrated. And he's able to figure out if I don't get water soon, within 10 minutes, I'm probably going, going to die. So he says, get, get some water. They bring a bottle of of water and then slap me around a little bit and wake me up and explain the situation. Hey, what happened is you, you pass it out. You're at church. Everything's okay. Um, you're, you're very, very dehydrated. It's important you drink water. And if you drink this water, you'll live. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. Do you believe what we're telling you? Yes. I believe, I believe what you're telling me. If I believe it, even if I get excited about it, I believe, I believe this water will provide what I need 
for life. I believe if I drink this water, it, it'll, it'll supply life to me and health. This water is what I believe that I need this water. If I believe it, even if I confess it out of my mouth, if I start preaching it to other people, the benefits of, of water, if I don't actually act on it and drink the water, I'll, I'll die laying here on this platform of dehydration. That it's not just the belief. There's got to be an action with the belief for us to, for us to see the benefits. And it applies to the word of God as well. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 13, it says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Paul is writing and he's quoting from a, a Psalm and he says, we have, we have the same spirit of faith as the guy who wrote this. We have the same spirit of faith operating in us as the guy who said, we believe and therefore we speak. And so you know what? Because that same spirit of faith is operating in me, Paul said, so I believe and therefore I speak. The spirit of faith doesn't just believe things. The spirit of faith takes a belief and there's a therefore attached to it that I believe something, therefore I act on that belief. That I, I hold a belief and there is a corresponding action and he described that as the way that the spirit of faith operates in someone's life. James chapter two, verse 19, it says, you believe that there is one God. You do well, even the demons believe and tremble. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works, faith without action is dead? He said, you believe in God. That's wonderful. That's important. You need to believe in God. It's necessary you believe in God, but that by itself isn't enough. He even says that the demons believe in God. What the demons fail to do is have action that corresponds with their belief about God. And then he goes on to say, do you want to know? Don't you realize how foolish can you be that faith that doesn't have action associated with it really isn't faith. It's dead. It's phony. It's fraudulent. It's fraudulent faith that if you believe something, there's got to be action that comes out of that belief. And what I want to see happen in my life, in your life, in the life of our, our church family over this next month or so as we go through this series is that our belief grows, that our belief grows to a point that it's not just a set of things that we adhere to, but it's like it begins to seep out of us and there is action that goes along with those beliefs. That when we say we believe, it's understood that there is a therefore attached to what we believe. We believe, okay, show let me see something in your life that corresponds, something you do, what you say, the way you handle relationships, the way you handle your finances. You believe, therefore, and that I'm doing something based on what I believe. He says that's the way that the spirit of faith works. We can say we believe in healing, we believe in prosperity, we believe in deliverance, we believe in, in the Lord guiding us, we believe in the moving of the Holy Spirit, we believe in being empowered by God's Spirit, but if we never act on any of those beliefs, our life will look exactly like the life of someone who doesn't believe any of those things. That really what faith is, is action based on the word of God. We receive information from the word of God. I believe it. And then I act on it. That's faith. And so in this series, I want, I want our, our belief to grow, to swell up, to overflow our lives in, in action. 
in action. Men and women of strong, strong faith. A church of strong, active, fruitful, fruitful faith. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11 is a list of incredible men and women of God one after another of great things that they did for the kingdom of God, fruit that their life bore. It goes through people like Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Sarah and Moses. Talks about things that God did in them and through them, just highlighting the faith that was active in their lives. We won't take time to to read the whole chapter. I encourage you to read it. We'll pick it up in verse 32. He's just listed all, uh, uh, all these people. In verse 32, it says, and what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and and the prophets. We'll keep reading, but he's saying, okay, I've listed a bunch of people here. I just gave you a bunch of names, kind of highlighted elements of their stories. And I I don't have time. I don't have the space, but we we could go through all these other people. God's word is filled with story after story. And he lists people like, like David here, and he's talking about the faith that was active in their life. Not, not just the doctrines that they had. In this hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, he's not talking about what these people believed. He's talking about what they did based on what they believed. And that's where the accomplishments come from when they actually took, took steps to act on, on their belief. Do you think if you could interview the people that were in the Israelite army, when David went to meet his brothers, do you think that they would have said they believed that the God of Israel could defeat Goliath or not? I don't think that there was much that distinguished David from the rest of those men as far as doctrine was concerned. That was the army of Israel. Those men would tell you, yes, our God is the God that split the Red Sea. Our God is the one who brought the Israelites out of Egypt with a strong, mighty hand. Our God is the one that performed all kinds of signs and wonders. They believe those things. So in a head-to-head matchup between the God of Israel and this 10-foot ogre, all of those men would have said, yes, our God is able. Our God is the almighty God. Our God is the one who spoke the world into existence. Of course he can defeat that, that giant. They all believed the same thing. David wasn't different from those men in doctrine or belief. That what separated him was the action he took based on those beliefs. He had the same belief. What made him so special and all of these men and women special wasn't just what they believed, but what they did with their belief. So he continues, verse, verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. People accomplished things due to their faith. All of these things, you read the entire chapter, everything that they accomplished, it's traced back that they were walking in faith. If they didn't have faith, then they wouldn't have accomplished those things. 
That if Moses didn't have faith, we wouldn't be talking about him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be listed here, or he'd be an example for us not to follow. If Abraham didn't have faith, then he wouldn't have accomplished the things that he accomplished. Faith was the key that brought the power of God, the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God from the, from the unseen realm into the seen realm and changed situations. These things that he's listing, it was done by faith. And that's the point of Hebrews chapter 11. It's drawing a direct correlation a direct connection between the fruit of these men and women's lives and the fact that they were walking in faith, that they believed things and they were acting on it. And this list isn't given to us just so we can admire them from afar and say, what, what an incredible group of men. Man, what a guy Moses was. What an incredible lady Sarah was. We're not just supposed to admire them. They're written as examples because you and I can have the same thing happen in our lives. God wants to do things in you and through you that there would be exploits and fruit and accomplishments and impact made in your life. That these people, they were written to us as examples for us to follow that if he did have the time, if he did have the space, he could just keep on writing your name and my name and the person sitting next to you that he could add this person made incredible impact in Harrison County. This person won so many souls in West Virginia to the kingdom of God. This person, they financed the move of God, financed the church of God, that there are exploits. But if you and I want to have those kinds of exploits in our lives, what do we need to have? The same thing that those people had, and it's faith, belief that we act on, actions that come out that are born out of the belief that we have, faith, that God wants to use you and I the same way he used them. At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, God doesn't change his mind and say, I'm done doing great things through men and women. That's why we're told about them, to follow right along with them. But if we're going to follow right along with them, we need to follow right along with them and be men and women of faith. And I just want to lay a foundation this morning for the next the next several weeks for us to build on. And I just want to stretch our hunger, stretch our desire that we'd say, oh, you know what? I, I want to make progress in this area. I want to be a man of faith. I, let me just read a few verses to you and just begin to stretch our understanding and the scope of what real, what real faith produces in a person's life. Mark chapter 11, verse, verse 23, Jesus says this. For assuredly, I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What's he talking about? Faith, belief with corresponding action. You believe something in your heart, there is no doubt, and you begin to speak to, speak to mountains. It's belief with corresponding action. That you can speak to a mountain and have a mountain move it. Of all the examples Jesus could have used, that, that, that's noticeable. That's significant to see a mountain a mountain move from its place. This summer, when I go to take my kids to Seneca Rocks or to Spruce Knob or some other point in West Virginia, if we arrive there, and instead of Seneca Rocks being in place, it's just a giant crater in the ground, our response is probably going to be more than just, huh, anything else you guys want to do today? Or, or, what in the world? There used to be a mountain here. 
We've been here hundreds of times. What, what could possibly explain what, what I mean, we, we'd be baffled. We'd be talking to other people. Can anyone give me an explanation? You would see the results. And that's what Jesus is talking about, that there is an ability that you can not, not just have things in the unseen realm. A mountain being moved is something very, very noticeable. You can't not notice it. You can't drive by where there used to be a mountain and it's no longer there and not notice it. And he's describing the, the prayer life that a believer has actually access to if they're really walking in faith, that, that our prayer life should produce not just whimsical things and nice feelings and thoughts, but you can see it in the physical realm. Situations significantly change that cause people to say, what, what is going on here? I can't deny what I'm seeing in that person's marriage, what I'm seeing in their body, what I'm seeing in their family, what I'm seeing in their business. I mean, it's, 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 I've got to remark on it. That's what Jesus is describing. But if we're honest, that doesn't describe many of our prayer lives. That in the church, we know to pray, but few of us can say, you know what, that's exactly the kind of prayer life I have. Mountain-moving prayer life. That oftentimes, the testimonies we share out of our prayer life could be just as easily attributed to the laws of time and chance as they could be to the laws of faith. That you pray for enough things, often enough, something's going to happen that lines up with how you were praying. That if our only testimonies are, you know what, praise the Lord, I've got a praise report. I've been praying for, um, it's, it's my sister's co-worker's neighbor's cat uh, was due to have kittens. And we've been praying they would have a great delivery. And praise the Lord, five healthy kittens born this morning. Praise God. But, you know, I'm not trying to belittle testimonies like that, but you can have testimonies that are just as attributable to, to chance. That, that's not what Jesus is describing here. Eh, that kind of thing happens every now and then anyway. Jesus is talking about something that would not happen otherwise. It's, it's impossible unless a man or a woman of faith gets involved in the situation and brings the power of God into it. And the way that that happens is through believing something and then acting on, on that belief. So I'm just, again, I'm just trying to stretch our faith. But that's the kind of results we can have in prayer if we're walking in the kind of faith that Jesus says we have access to. Let me give you another example. First John chapter five, verse four, it says, for whatever Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Overcomes the world. That word in the Greek is a present active form of the verb. So when it's talking about overcoming, it's not when we get to heaven. It's not, hey, someday when all this is behind us, we can look back and, you know, we'll just, all these troubles will be over and will have overcome. It's talking about every day in regular life, presently active, walking as overcomers, that we overcome what? The world. That there's nothing the world could bring against us that we don't have a power to overcome it. What is the victory that it's talking about? And this is the victory that overcomes the world. It's our faith. Too many believers talk more about how they're being overcome, how they're being overwhelmed, than being the ones that are doing the overcoming. What what is the solution? The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. So we're going to take time to build our beliefs, to see it lived out in our action. We're going to build our faith so that every one of us spends the rest of our life walking in victory that overcomes the world. How? It's through our faith. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, as he's talking about the armor of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith, 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. How many of the fiery darts? Above all, take the shield of faith. You know that there is a force available to you and I that has the ability to stop everything the enemy would be trying to do in your life. Every time the enemy tries to stop you, you have a force that actually stops him from stopping you. That there's the, sh above all, take the shield of faith. Instead of people just talking, hey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe what the enemy's doing to me this week. You wouldn't believe, hey, what, what he's stirring up trouble. Str trouble again. It's just one thing after another in people's lives. You know what's missing in their life? And I'm not saying this condemningly. I, I want to encourage us to, to take up the shield of faith because it has the ability to quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. That's the force that's available to us through faith. Let me read another passage. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. It says, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, is it, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. It's accomplished from start, from the very beginning, all the way through to the end, by what? Faith. He even says it's, it's through faith that a righteous person has life. So my advancement in the things of God my development as a man of God, your development as a man or a woman of God, it's directly correspondent to your level of faith. That when your faith stalls out, your growth stalls out. But you're not supposed to plateau. You're not supposed to, to start off in your walk with the Lord on fire and then, you know what, it just kind of becomes mundane and ho-hum and there, there's really no more zeal or passion. It's accomplished from start to finish by faith. So as long as my faith is engaged, I'm making progress and movement. It's, it's by faith that the righteous person has life. So if there's no life in your walk with the Lord, if there's no energy and zeal, you know what you need? That you need to have faith. God works in you. His accomplishments, what he wants to do in you, it's from start to finish by faith. So if you are plateauing in your walk with the Lord, it's because your faith has plateaued. The, the Bible says, God, he's faithful to bring to completion the work that he's begun in. You got, God's faithful, but it's also reliant on you being faithful to what he wants to do. It's accomplished from start to finish by, by faith. And so I, I just want to stir us up, lay a foundation this morning, and just kind of end with one basic application for our lives. You can turn to Romans chapter, chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I don't know if that stirs you up or excites you. It does me. If there's anyone here that wants to continue making rapid progress in their walk with the Lord, the way that it happens from start to finish is by faith. I don't know if anyone else wants to have a prayer life that people are in awe of what God is doing in you and through you, a mountain moving, people visible. You don't even have to tell people the testimony. They're reporting back to you the testimony because they can see. I don't know if anyone else wants to walk in victory all the days of their life and have a shield that's able to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. That, that's what we're talking about growing, growing in our faith. Let, let me give you the, the basic building block for that kind of faith, the seed, and really the, the only seed that's able to produce that kind of faith. Romans chapter 10. starting in verse nine, it says that if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised them from the dead, you will be saved 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We'll keep, we'll keep reading, but you can see this is the way it even works when someone comes to know the Lord. Salvation happens not just through belief. You believe in your heart and what? And confess confess with your mouth. It says confession is made unto salvation. So we could learn a lot in this just about the power of our words and the things that we speak, but we could also learn that it's not just belief. Along with believing, the Bible gives us an action step that when someone believes, it gives us something to do, and that's when salvation comes because that's when it becomes faith. Not just when I believe, but when I begin to speak it. I'm acting on what I believe, and that's they are confession is made unto unto salvation. Verse 11, for the scriptures say, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? We'll keep reading again, but let me just pause. He's, he's working backwards through the very progression that we started off talking about. He's talking about an action taken, confession being made. Based on what? Based on a belief. And he says no one can even believe until they first come across the information. First you are informed, then you believe, and then you need to act on that belief. So he, he's just working backwards through the very thing that we talked about earlier. Verse 15, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes, there's only one way that faith comes, that the seed, the starting point, the initiator of, of all faith is the Word of God. That's where it all begins. It starts with the Word of God. So I want to challenge you this morning. What would an unusual level of engagement with the Word of God look like in your life? You said, tomorrow I'm starting an unusual level of engagement with God's Word. What, what would that look like? If I want to build my faith, if I want to progress in this, this area, I've got to engage with the Word of God differently than I have before. Maybe it's reading more. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's taking time to meditate on the Word of God and just go over it and chew on it and think about it. Maybe it's committing it to memory and just, I'm, you know what, this week I'm going to memorize five verses. I don't know what that looks like, but I would love for you to think that through and allow the Holy Spirit to help you and come up with an action step, something that you'll actually begin doing immediately to engage in the Word of God more than you ever have before, deeper than you ever have before. Because so we want to we want to saturate ourselves with it, get it so much in our hearts, so much in our minds, build our belief that it starts to come out in the, our, our conversations, in our behavior. Years ago, when we first moved to West Virginia, my, my wife loved the show called ER. It was, a, it was a show about an emergency room. I didn't like to watch it. She, she loved to watch that show. And it was, it was about an emergency room, which by definition, what happens in that room, it's, it's always an emergency, right? It's always bad things. People don't come into the emergency room to announce good news. Bust through the doors of the emergency room. I got the job. 
I need to see a doctor. She said, yes, I'm getting married. That, that never, it's never good news. It's always tragedy. It's always something terrible has happened. And because it's a TV show, they, they make it more dramatic. They add some kind of heartbreaking story to the car accident, to the stabbing, to the sickness, right? They're, they're, they're making it dramatic. And so she would, she would watch this all the time. You know what happened? She started to, just to fill her heart and fill her mind with stories of terrible things happening, heartbreaking stories. Father was taking a walk with his daughter and a drunk driver ran over them both. They're flying a kite at the park and a rabid squirrel And so what happened was as she started to watch this more and more, it started to affect her engagement with life, her behavior, her thoughts, things that she would say. She, she wouldn't want me going to the store in the evening for fear that I would have an accident, something terrible. She began to develop an expectation of bad things because she was filling her heart, filling her mind with, with stories of tragedy. And, you know, fear, that fear is just faith in something negative. And you can, you can build faith in whatever you fill yourself with, whether it's the word of God or something negative. And so she built faith. She built a level of confidence that something tragic is going to happen. So we, we'd be hanging out in the evening. Hey, we're out of milk. Yeah, I'll, I'll be glad to run to the store. No, I don't want you to go. I don't want something terrible to happen. Which as I, as I think about it, it got me out of a lot of chores. I don't know if you want to start watching ER again or not. But if that, if that can happen with something natural, you can fill your mind with a television program that can start to affect your faith. It can start to affect your behavior. It can start to affect the way that you live your life. How much more so when we fill ourselves with something supernatural? You know, the Word of God, the Word of God never fails. The Word of God, the, the Bible says that the heavens will fade away. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will never pass away. That the grass will fade, the, the flowers will wither. But the Word of God endures forever and ever. That if I fill myself with the word of God. It begins to affect the words of my mouth, my behavior. Then it's not just my behavior. It's not just my words. It's actually the word of God in action. And that, that's what we want to do to saturate ourselves with the word of God. You, you ever been around someone who eats garlic a lot? You know what happens if you eat a lot of garlic? You can eat so much that it starts to come out of you. You start to seep garlic. You're, you're like a, a garlic-scented air freshener walking around everywhere, everywhere you go. Why? Because you've packed yourself so full of it, it starts coming, it just starts coming out of you. Well, the Word of God can function the same way. That you pack yourself so full of it, whether you like it or not, it, it, it just starts oozing out. It starts changing the way that you behave. That faith comes by, what was faith? acting on what you believe. How does it come? It's good to know that it can come. Well, I'm not really a man of faith. I've never been, I've never had strong faith. Well, just the fact that faith comes can be an encouragement to you this morning. Faith can come. You don't have to stay where you are at your level of faith. It comes. And there's a way that it comes it's through the word of God, through, through the word, through the word of God. One more passage of scripture and we'll pray. Psalm chapter one. Psalm chapter one. Starting in verse one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, 
nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Man, I love that passage. That you and I can live at a level where it's like you're like a tree planted by rivers of water. You always have supply. It says that that person's leaf, it never withers. It'll never wither. They bear fruit in their season, the right fruit at the right time. You're always producing fruit. Whatever that person does, it prospers. This isn't just something that you can grab onto and say, yeah, I, I, I want that. There's corresponding action. There's a set of requirements. One, you've got to distance yourself from sin. You've got to walk in holiness and righteousness. But then it says something about the level that they engage in the word. How do they engage in the Word? It says they love the Word of God. They delight in it, and they meditate day and night. This doesn't apply to the person that, yeah, I, yeah, I read my Bible. I read it three days, no, I think I read it five days ago. Yeah, I read. I read. Not, not the person that dabbles in the Word of God. Not the person that, yeah, I mean, I, was, I know I was on a reading plan like a week ago. I'm not sure. It doesn't qualify. This is the person that meditates in the morning. I'm, I'm reading the word of God, man. I'm thinking about it. I'm packing myself full. In the evening, what's on my mind is the word of God. So I fall asleep at night. I'm thinking about the word of God. They're saturating themselves with the word of God. That's the person. It says whatever they do, it prospers. They bring forth their life. It's impossible for their life not to be fruitful. This is, this is Hebrews chapter 11 talk. This is the way those people live, that their life produced results. What they put their hand to for God. They prospered. They succeeded. How did they do that? They clung to the word of God. People like Abraham, who didn't consider his own body, even though it was as good as dead, but he considered the person who promised. God was faithful to do what, what he had promised. He clung to what God said. Everything else, I'll push it aside. I'm going to think about what God told me in the morning. I'm going to think about what he told me at night. That person produced fruit, and it says that it applies to you, and it applies to me. That the person who meditates on the word of God Day and night, your leaf will never wither. Your life will be fruitful, and whatever you do, it'll prosper. The kind of faith that you just pack yourself full of the Word of God, and it starts coming out. with The only way a person achieves faith is through the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. A, a faith that isn't, it's not just belief, it's action based on what you believe. Li living it out, applying it. You, you can see what someone believes. That's what James said. James said, you, you, you tell me what you believe, but you watch my life, and I'll show you what I believe by the way that I act. Watch my relationships. You'll understand what I believe about relationships. Listen to the words that I speak. Watch my behavior. You'll, you'll understand what I believe about holiness. But watch my life. That, that's what he said. So what do you believe that's inconsistent with how you're living? What do you believe from the Word of God but you know what? If, if someone were to watch your life, they, they would see that you are violating the laws of faith. That the spirit of faith that we talked about, I believed and therefore I did something in alignment with what I believed. So what Paul said was the spirit of faith. Are you doing something to violate the spirit of faith in your life? Or are you living consistent? You know, I, I believed that today was Sunday. So I got up early and I took a shower and I drove to the church early in the morning. You, you did the same thing. If you believe that you have work tomorrow, you, you'll, you'll behave based on what you believe. You'll get up, you'll go to work, 
and you'll start doing whatever it is that you're, you're employed to do. Well, then if you believe certain things about the word of God, there should be evidence of that by the way that you behave. If you believe that God's word says that you are more than a conqueror, then that should affect the way you think, the way you speak, the way you behave, the emotions that you have. If you believe that you're more than a conqueror, you should live like an overcomer. That it's a, a, The victory is our faith, that the person born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes. It's, it's our faith. If you believe the favor of God is on your life, then it should change the way that you live. It should change the way that you act. If you believe that the Lord is your shepherd, if you believe that you're not on your own, but he's going to lead you and guide you and provide for you, then it should affect what you're thinking, affect the decisions you make, that you should believe it so much that you are living in alignment with it. And if you're not, then you're violating the spirit of faith. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying that to help us adjust and call things into alignment. We were walking in the spirit of faith. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.